Well, good morning, church. It's so good to bring the word this morning. And uh, before we start, I just want to send a message from our senior pastors who are still away on holiday, getting well-deserved rest. They are loving being with the family, getting to spend time with their grandbabies. So they send love, they say hi, and they'll be back soon with lots of fire and zeal. So get ready for that. But if we haven't met yet, my name is Jean-Michel, and I'm one of the pastors here at Victory. And it's just an honor to bring the word today. So I hope you're ready. I hope you guys are ready for the word today. All right, so check it out. I'm going to start with a story, as I often do. A story from my childhood. Now you can imagine, growing up, I was a pastor's kid, born on the church floor, right? So I had pastors for parents. And you can imagine that growing up, there were some interesting moments that I had. But not just growing up with pastor parents, my father, our senior pastor, is also from Mauritius, a small island that was sheltered and, um, and normal. And he grew up he, 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 God decided to give him a son who was not very normal and uh, a little bit weird. And I want to tell you a little bit of these weird stories. So I was about 16 or 17 years old. I can't really remember right now. But uh, I, had a, I was invited to a party, a friend's party. It was a birthday, and it was a dress-up party, right? And so everyone was going to come dressed up as something cool. And I decided to dress up as a emo-slash-goth person. So, all right. So what does that mean? What does that mean? It means that I painted my fingernails black. It means that I got my sister to put eyeliner and mascara all over my eyes. And I put my hair as big as it could possibly go into the biggest afro that I could make it do. And I wore um, jeans, ripped jeans and, and stuffed bangles around my arms and stuff. And I thought I looked pretty cool. I really did. I thought that I was, I was happening. And uh, at the time, I was lucky enough to have a scooter. It went about five kilometers an hour, but it got me from place to place, and it was awesome. And, uh, and I had a learner's license. Now, if everyone, anyone has ridden bikes before, you know that if you have a, a learner's license in a car, then you have to drive with someone in the car who has a license. Now, when it's on a bike, you're not allowed to drive with anyone else because you're a danger to other people. You have to learn how to ride by yourself, and then you can have passengers. So I wasn't allowed to have passengers. But my friend was at my house. And we were going to the party together. So we were going to go on my scooter together. I used to call it my scut. So we were going to get on my scut and go to the party. And uh, we did just that. We got onto the scooter. I had one helmet, so he didn't wear a helmet. Now, fortunately, before you, you know, send prayer requests in for me and for my craziness, the party was just down the road. In, in my defense, the party was literally two minutes down the road. So it wasn't like we had, we could walk there if we wanted to, but we didn't want to. We wanted to roll in on, on my bike, you know, and make an entrance in my whole getup. And then uh, that's what we did. So we went to the party, everything was great. We, we got in, but then we realized we left something at home. So we had to go back. And this is when I had the encounter with my pastor father, right? I drive into the driveway with my friend on the back and I find him waiting for me in the driveway. I don't even know if you'll remember this. He'll be watching and uh, dad, if you're watching now, just post in the chat if you remember the story or not, I don't know. But when I got in, the look on my dad's face, I can't explain it in human terms. 
it's it's like he had failed me as a father when he looked at me with my eyeliner and my black fingernails and the fact that I was riding my scooter with a passenger, no learners, no real license, just a learner's license. It was like I had stabbed him in the heart with a disappointment stick. I've never felt so bad in my life. And you'll say I'm exaggerating, but I really did feel this way. And I remember him saying to me, look what you look like. Why, why do you look like this? And, uh, and he was right. I mean, I looked, I looked funny, but uh, I thought I looked good. He looked at me and saw <laughs> something other than what I thought. And you know what? I mean, we had fun. That party was great. And everything worked out just fine. But I remember just feeling uh, like I had let my dad down in a big way. But check it out. I thought I looked really good. People at the party thought I looked really good. But it was just maybe too much for my pastor father. But I want you to just look around. Maybe you're at home or maybe you're at church. Who's around you, right? Just look at, at who's around you. People look good to us. Some people look great to us. Some people don't look so great to us. Sometimes we don't understand what people look like. And uh, I want to say, you know, in the church, as someone who has grown up kind of uh, because of my leanings towards uh, my pretend rock style, rock, rock star lifestyle, right? I, I still think that I'm a rock star, definitely. But uh, maybe a failed rock star or something like that. But for someone who has been maybe judged by the way that I look over the years, I want to encourage you as Christians to accept people for who they are and to really shine the light of Christ there and to tell people that it's okay to be yourself, right? But there are people that we think look great in this world and people that we don't really get the way that they look. But something looks good on you today. Do you know what it is? The thing that looks good on you today is hope. Turn to someone and say, hope looks good on you. Hope looks good on you. There is nothing more attractive than someone who is covered in hope. Not delusional optimism. Check this out. There's a difference between having hope for the future and just thinking, you know what, somehow magically everything's just going to be okay. Someone who knows the challenges that they face, the realities of the difficulties of the situations in their life, but chooses to have faith in God. Nonetheless, there is something beautiful and attractive about that. And so that's my message title today. Hope looks good on you. Let's pray. Father, we ask you today that you would come and move in this place, that you would teach us something new, that you would open our hearts to what you have to say, and that you would speak a word of hope into every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Check this out. Have you ever been around someone who no matter what, everything is awful? No matter what's going on, whether times are good or times are bad, just everything is terrible. They have a negative outlook on all of life. The type of person who, if you gave them a million rand, would find the one note that's ripped and just focus on how terrible the ripped note is. And you think to yourself, you just got a million rand. Why, why do you see the negative in everything? Have you ever met someone like that? The reality is there is something that is not attractive about someone who is negative all the time. Now, I'm not talking about ugliness. 
I'm not talking about the difference between attractive and ugly. I'm talking about a force that actually pushes people away. Have you noticed that people who live their life being negative about everything eventually push people away? It repels people away from them. But there is something attractive about hope on a person. You see, when we're negative all the time, no matter what's going on, we just have a negative outlook on life. Eventually, we push people away and they stop wanting to be around us. We lose our influence on those people. But the opposite is so, so true. When someone has hope, real hope, that that there is a future beyond the circumstances that we have, there's something that attracts people towards that. Check this out. Jesus called his church to be a city on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. There should be nothing more attractive than the church of Jesus Christ. And again, I'm not talking about beautiful. I'm talking about a force that pulls people in, an influence that comes over people, that draws them towards the church of Jesus Christ. There is something beautiful and life-giving about hope. And when you wear hope, people will become attracted towards you. They will be drawn towards the light that shines out of you. There is a, a, a power. There is an influence. There is something that you gain over people, the chance to point them towards a life-giving God when you choose to wear hope instead of negativity. And let me tell you this, there is a world out there that needs hope. There is a deep lack of hope in this world that we live in. From economies that are just falling apart and broken to wars and pandemics, this world needs hope and people out there feel hopeless, absolutely hopeless. Maybe you feel that way today. Let's get real for a second in this church. It's not always easy just to be like, cool, let's, let's have hope. Let's hope that things are going to turn out okay. It's not always just that simple to say, okay, I'm a Christian, therefore I should live a hopeful life. Maybe you feel that way today. Maybe you feel like things are hopeless. Maybe the situations and circumstances in your life have brought you to a place where you feel hopeless. If you do, you have something in common with a man called Isaiah. You might have heard of him before, but if you're new to church, Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament in Israel. He lived about 700 years before Jesus was born. So he was a way back. And this guy, Isaiah, he was a prophet. He prophesied the very word of God to Israel, to the Israelite nation. And his name is everything. And we're going to get there. We're going to talk about Isaiah's name. But you have something in common with him. Check this out. The Bible is a book that we turn to when we struggle. Do you guys feel this way? Maybe when you're going through something difficult, you turn to the Bible as, as a source of wisdom, as a source of hope. We hope that every time we open it, that something will come out and uplift us teach us, help us, guide us, send us in the right direction. 
Now, when you open the first pages of the book of Isaiah, the exact opposite will happen. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to read together. But the exact opposite comes out in these first verses of Isaiah. You see, when Isaiah lived, when he was a prophet in the nation of Israel, it was turning its back on God. It was turning to false idols. It was choosing to move away from the principles that God had set forth in this nation, turning their back on God, forgetting the covenants, turning to false idols. And Isaiah saw that judgment was coming their way. Now stay with me here. We're going to read because we need to understand. Isaiah was in a place where he could see that judgment was coming. Consequences were coming to this nation. And he was trying desperately to get them to hear and to listen. And you can hear God's heart cry in these first few verses of the book of Isaiah. We're going to read them together. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Listen, this is what Isaiah writes. He says, hear me, you heavens, all the heavens, hear me. Listen, earth. For the Lord has spoken. Now this is the Lord speaking. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. This is a heart cry of God crying out for his people to come back, to remember him again. There is a relational outcry from God's heart in this moment to say, Israel, where have you gone? My people, where have you gone? You have forgotten me. You have rebelled against me. And you do not know me anymore. You see, Isaiah, he's prophesying this to kings, to the nation of Israel. He's hoping they will listen he can see it's the end of the line. He can see Israel being destroyed by the neighbor nations and her people scattered into exile. And he's crying out, leaders of Israel, kings, turn back to God. People of Israel, surrender yourself to him again. Follow the Lord with all your heart. Return to the Lord. But his words are not being heeded. No one is listening. In fact, he is mocked. He is ignored. No one even pays attention to him. And time and time again, you hear Isaiah becomes more and more hopeless for his nation. Maybe you feel that way today. Maybe you look around at our nation right now, the nation of South Africa, and maybe you feel a little bit hopeless. Maybe you look around at the world today and maybe you feel just a little bit hopeless. Maybe you're looking at the situations that you're facing right now. Maybe you're going through a difficult moment. And maybe, just maybe, it feels like you are hopeless. I have a thought that you need to hear today. Hope does not come out of thin air. Check this out. Hope doesn't come out of nothing it's not a mindless delusion that just says somehow magically everything's going to be okay. You know what? I'm going to put a smile on my face because it's just going to be okay. God is good, therefore everything's going to be okay. No, it's not a mindless delusion. Hope doesn't come out of nothing. Hope is built. Write that down if you're taking notes. Hope is built. 
It's something that we build. And if it's going to be built, it's going to be built on something. Maybe you're feeling hopeless today. God is speaking today to you and to me that hope is built. Built on what? Let's check together. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 18 to 20. Let's see what Paul has to say. Verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he, Jesus, has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. This is what we build our hope on. Our hope is built on a conquering king who overcame the grave, paid the price for your sin, paid the price for our sickness and our poverty to be destroyed. And he sat down at the right hand of the father, having finished the work that he set out to do. And he calls you and me to find life in his inheritance. Come on. We build our hope on Christ alone and the finished work of the cross. You see, we don't have to build our hope on nothing. We have a firm foundation. We have something to believe in something to hope for that no matter what the circumstances are no matter how difficult your life seems to be no matter what's going on around you no matter who is going down around you the people that you thought would never go down they're going down but let me tell you this that you and I will never go down you and I will never be defeated you and I will never be overcome because our hope is built on Christ alone and hope looks good on you You see, you and I, we have one advantage over Isaiah. Isaiah rested on that same hope. But you and I, we've already seen the promise come to pass. See, Isaiah is a famous prophet. He is one of the messianic prophets. It means that he prophesied Jesus coming. Jesus is known as the Messiah, the Savior, the one who would save the world and bring life to the nations and Isaiah prophesied of the one to come you see in his most hopeless moments when he looked at his nation and saw the brokenness the injustice the fact that the leaders oppressed the poor the fact that the leaders misused and abused their power left right and center that they didn't follow God that they didn't follow who God needed them to be when he saw that God leant down and gave him this insight to see what was coming that a messiah would come a king from the line of david a king who would not only change the fortunes and life of the people of israel but even the entire world and this is where you see that isaiah was not left in his hopelessness and today you and i are not left in hopelessness Just like the people of Israel somehow found their way into exile because they wouldn't follow God. No matter what is happening in your life and my life, the answer is the same. It's that God brings salvation. 
And so I want to read something from just a few verses later in Isaiah. See, Isaiah opens up, and from minute one, it's just doom and gloom. He is pronouncing judgment over the people of Israel. But then in chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, it's like there's a break in the clouds, and something fresh comes out, something completely different. And he says this, verse 18. Come now, this is God speaking again. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. And for a moment, we see the hope that is in Isaiah's heart. The hope that has come forth. That the sins of his nation and in, indeed the sins of the whole world are going to be blotted out. Though they are red, crimson, though they are scarlet, they will be made white as snow. And I want to come to you today. Maybe you feel like your sins are like scarlet. That your life has led you on a path to this point where there is no hope for you. I want to tell you this. Israel's strength, Israel's redemption, it didn't come from strength of arms. It didn't come from their armies. It didn't come from their political leaders and their diplomacy. It wasn't in their ability even to uphold the law and to worship God in the best possible way. Their salvation came from God himself and his grace alone. It had nothing to do with them and how good they were or how bad they were. God's salvation came to them because of his love for that nation. And I told you at the start of this message that Isaiah's name is everything. Do you know what Isaiah's name is? Does anyone here can tell me what Isaiah's name means? Isaiah's name means God is salvation. Come on, from the start of this book, even though it's proclaiming woes and destruction and judgment on the nation of Israel, from minute one, God is saying, I am salvation. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You're not going to find it in yourself. You're not going to find it in religion. You're going to find it in me. I am salvation. And our hope is built on the fact that we don't find purpose or deliverance through our own ability but through the grace and salvation that God gives us freely. Our hope is built on the fact that the cross and the grace poured out on it will blot out every brokenness in our life, give us a future, give us a hope, and give us something firm to stand on. Maybe today you are struggling with the circumstances in your life. I'm telling you right now, you will find your hope in the cross. You see, when we feel broken, we run to the cross. When we feel empty, we run to the cross. When we feel dirty and sinful, we run to the cross. When we fail for the, the thousandth time in a row, we run to the cross. When the world turns against us, we run to the cross. And when we feel hopelessness, 
we can wear hope like a cloak, hope that can cover us, that gives us a new attitude, a new direction. It frees us. It's the hope built on the power of the cross and the grace poured out of Jesus in that moment. It gives us a new attitude. Church, there is nothing more repulsive to the world than a church pronouncing nothing but brokenness towards them. But there is nothing more attractive to people than the hope that is found in Jesus. That even though the circumstances are dire, even though there is so much brokenness all around us, we have hope and hope looks good on us. Hope looks good on you. When you choose to put your anchor in Jesus Christ, hope can come on you. Not a mindless delusion that everything's just going to be okay, but real hope that says God will deliver me. God will give me a future. God will do what I need in my life. And when the world sees this hope, it will run to the Jesus that gives it to us. Church, you and I, are not just built to live in hope for ourselves, but to impact a world that needs hope. Look around you at the difficulties that people face, at the reality of the, of the brokenness that our nation and our world exists in right now. We need hope. And it's you and I that are gonna bring this hope, the hope of Christ, to the world. Hope looks good on you. It looks good on you. Hope looks good on you. Today, maybe you're feeling hopeless. And you say to me, Pastor, I hear all the words you're saying, but how can I just, how can I just find hope again? How can I just be okay? How can I just turn away from all the difficulties that I face and just say everything's going to be okay? That's not the hope today. That's not what God is saying. What Jesus is saying is that even in the midst of your heartache, of your brokenness, he wants to be with you. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe you are struggling. Maybe you're going through the deepest, hardest, darkest moment of your life. Isaiah was in that place when he wrote the beginning of his book. He was in a dark place looking out at a broken nation that had no future, that had no hope. And in that moment, God released to him the reality of the life-saving power that comes through the cross, a hope that will last forever, a hope that cannot be broken, a hope that cannot be removed. It's the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ in your life. It heals you, it restores you, it changes your life, and it gives you a future, even when there seems to be no future and so if that's you today i'd love to pray with you for a moment at a point every single one of us goes through this feeling of feeling like there is no hope for us maybe you're struggling with an addiction in your life today and you feel hopeless you feel like there's nothing you can do to get out of that addiction maybe you've prayed every prayer done everything you possibly can do and you can't you just can't find your way out Maybe you're struggling with sickness. Or maybe you're struggling with depression. Maybe you're even hiding that from the people around you because you don't know how to tell them that you're actually struggling. And the reality is on the inside, you feel hopeless. 
If that's you today, I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to trust that God is going to set something inside of you. Something that will become a firm foundation for you. That Jesus Christ himself is your salvation. That he alone is all that you need. And that his grace is sufficient in your weakness. His grace is enough for you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come to you today in the realest way that we can to say that we face and go through times of hopelessness. Lord God, you see every person that's watching today, every person listening to this message, and you know exactly what they're going through. You know every moment that's led them to this point. You know everything that has gotten them to the point of feeling like there is no hope. I pray for that person that's stuck in addiction, that keeps going back. You feel like you've prayed every prayer, you've gone for prayer, you've done everything you possibly can. Now you need to put your faith in Jesus to do what only He can do. You've got to put your faith in the finished work of Christ to do what you could never do, to set you free. Father, I pray for that person today that they would feel the freedom that comes through grace, that they are worthy and they are holy because of Jesus and Jesus alone. Father, I ask you today, great comforter, Holy Spirit, come into every person that feels hopeless, that feels broken, and bring life to us. God, we want to wear hope like a cloak, like a jacket. We want to wear it around us. Let it surround us. That, Father, we would be hopeful for where you are taking us, for what you are going to do in our life, in our nation. We speak it into our families. We speak it into our businesses. We speak it into our lives today. Hope, the hope of Christ. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.